Might as well start off with some eating sounds. I mean, why not? Uh, sure, why not? Why not? It's a it's a Friday pod. Mm-hmm. Friday early. This Friday has never happened. Hour. This is, your, this is the first time that it's before your weekend. I think literally it is. Uh-huh. Yes. I think this is the only time I've ever done the pod and not had to wake up at Six seven in the morning. In the morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice. I appreciate it. Wow, a little treat. Yeah. I appreciate you accommodating that. Mm-hmm. Our schedule is going to be crazy for the rest of the year. By oh, the way. yeah, I know. It already has been. We've been all over the place. I made a little note on oh. our last Patreon app, just warning the folks out there that I mean that it's going to be a little dicey, and I'm trying to plug the gaps with our bonus episodes. Oh, okay. So it's fine, but I'm just thinking because you know next week is Thanksgiving mm-hmm. week. I'm going to be gone most of it. Mm. The following week, I have a boys' trip with uh, the guys from Ohio, mm-hmm. so I'm gone then too. Mm-hmm. And then December's okay, I guess. It's just a busy oh. time, but it's fine it's until a weird Christmas end of the year time. fuckery. Like, you know. What's that thing like? It's begin. Did we talk about this last time? It's beginning to look a lot like we'll circle back on that next year. Yes, I hit someone with that today. In fact, mm-hmm. not next year. Actually, I was just referring to the Thanksgiving holiday. But it's oh. still nice to hit people with. We can circle back to that later. I mean, I have like mm, two giant meetings before the end of December, and I'm like, why are we doing it? Why are we? You know, I know why they have to happen, but like they're the only things, and then we're just done. We're Is just it gonna... like performance review stuff? No, because we don't have that. Interesting, yeah. I've been on a lot of corporate Zoom calls lately. They've been fascinating, but I can't talk about them no, right no, now. No. no, we talked a lot we about We talked it, about yeah. a lot about the one, but mm-hmm. I was just on another one the other day. Somewhat less fascinating, but I, I still have things to say. Oh, I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm doing a lot of... Am I loud? I feel very loud. Or am I just uh, talking No, normal? you sound okay. Do I sound okay? I'm, I'm concerned about my microphone cord. It's oh. not plugging in here, right? And all the levels look okay. So I think yeah, I'm no, okay, but I sound a little weird to myself. Mm. No, I just sound real fucking loud. No, maybe you're... I'm talking louder than usual. Maybe you have been. I've noticed that a little bit in the edit, actually. I used to turn your volume up by uh, 1.2 I don't really change mine. And now I turn yours up uh, to 1.1 instead. I think... Just so everybody knows what happens on the back end. All yeah, it's really excitement. fun. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I, you know... when. It, when you're out running, you're increasing your, like, you know, lung capacity, maybe? That's possible. Yeah, yeah. You know, in between w- all the smoking. But, you know, it does, mm. you know, open you up a little bit. Sure, yeah. I watched a short video on YouTube. I don't know why my algorithm was recommending me running videos. Mm. Um, but this woman ran uh, a several miles every day for a year just to see what it would be like. And she was talking about pacing in terms of music. That one of the main things she learned, and you can let me know if this is true, is you don't want to start off the music too strong because you might end up sprinting and then tuckering yourself out. I did that today. So the playlist needs to be paced. Yes. Well, I usually just, you know, my playlist is called Run, Fatty. Wow. That's very will of you. I mean, now it should be Run, Moderately Less Fatty Fatty. (laughs) Um, No, the fatty is a spiritual designation. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. That's not a... What's it's not an clear? accurate description of the physical body at this no, point. No, it never was. No. But, you well, know, we got we to gotta keep it in mind. Yeah. You know, we don't want to turn into the Michelin Man again. <laughs> I'm really enjoying my, like, 
size mediums because of bulk and not size mediums because of bulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's different. Um, no, yeah, if you start too hot too fast, then by, like, the end, you're just like, I'm going to die. So when I put Run Fatty on on Shuffle and it starts off a little too spicy at first, I'm, like, loving it because you're really like, woo, we're going. And then you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to die. No, it's true. you got to pace it. It's It's designed to kind of, like, basically do speed work where it's like it hits a nice it's you know kind of like an ease in like get the tempo and then it spikes with some heaviness and then that song has like a really tight like just like run moment yeah then you have a cool down and then you get back up so it's like a lot of speed work oh that's good i'm actually kind of surprised that the playlist doesn't have a specific order i'm surprised you hit it on shuffle rather than just uh spend a little time on the spotify app or whatever the hell you use Apple Music, because I'm not a fucking heathen. I use Apple Music, too, but I think we are the heathens. All the feedback I've ever received in my life about using Apple Music is that I'm a fucking heathen. Wow, I do... (coughs) Do you want to take a pause and adjust the level? I'm just going to turn my... Well, now I don't know. I can always fix it in post. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not... I'm I'm just, like I said, I'm paranoid about this cable. Oh, because I noticed a couple episodes back that it it doesn't fit in there as nicely as it used to. It's it, the holes getting a little loose, folks. She's been around the block. She's circled the lot a few times, and this lizard might need to get retired. So I was going to say something so bad, but I'm just gonna. Well, I did that for you, and whatever you were going to say was, was probably worse. worse. <laughs> so and much just, worse. We're just going to move right on. Past so that. much worse. Um. Yeah. Uh. Sorry. Now, now my brain is broken. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta really like kind of pace yourself. Oh yeah. Um, it is, I, I don't know. The Spotify doesn't make sense to me in terms of the way that it like is organized and I don't know how to build a playlist. No, me neither. And it has a queue and you have to clear the queue if you want to change what you're listening to and it doesn't, it kind of tries to learn, but is kind of stupid and you're like, eh. Here's the thing. I think the Spotify people just have Stockholm syndrome because they just like that end of the year bullshit well i think there's some of that in it too but that's Mm. only been around for a little while i think a lot of people just have a sunk cost where they got spotify 10 years ago Mm. and now you're kind of committed to this whole thing it's cheaper than apple music kind of thing probably is and you have all your metrics on there and all your you know ai generated playlists or whatever the fuck you like Uh the thing is it's universally agreed that the user interface of spotify is dog shit which it is it's hard to even look at it I look at it and I go, I don't, so much information. I don't know what's going on. Here. Yeah. You know, I think everybody is on the same page about that, but mm-hmm. people are just committed to it. Yeah. You know, it reminds me also of the green bubble versus blue bubble conversation in terms oh, of iPhones yeah. versus mm-hmm. Android. It's like, let's be real. There's no legitimate reason that that matters at all other than, you know, viral social stigma that's arisen around it probably yeah, as what a are you deliberate talking to Pavos all day what the fuck corporate psyop right mm. but uh i feel like the spotify versus apple music or versus you know another service is much the same way people just have their corporate allegiance and they stand by it yeah you know it doesn't really matter though it's all the same shit you know, I, you know hey i you know i picked the wrong horse way back when when all the music streaming services came out i said hey this one's already on my you could have picked title you know, oh, that's true. Yeah, and gone down with that ship. I think it's still around. Is it still around? you yeah. got to be kidding me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I remember, you know what? I know for sure it's still around, well, within the last couple of years. Because do you remember when people were, like, leaving Spotify? 
I can't even remember what the origin of that was. Whoa. I think it was because Joe Rogan. It was because Joe Rogan was anti-vaccine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, you know, whatever, Neil Young was like, fuck this, so I'm not putting my music on Spotify. And so a bunch of people started leaving Spotify. They went to Users. Oh. And I remember someone at work was doing this, and they went to Tidal, and they were kept putting Tidal on the public computer to, like, play music, and everyone was like, we don't know how to use this. Yeah, because take Get this it away yeah and then eventually you know we just went back to someone's spotify no shit yeah i mean mm-mm. no no one's listening to title yeah what what do you also go to barclay center and enjoy like you know blaze pizza uh, probably i mean this person is a gen xer that oh. like has you know some weird attachment to like musicians of his era and that's jay-z's platform oh, so i think yeah, that's, that's why fair. he picked it have you been to the brooklyn museum i have not why or not I... Bro- no, Brooklyn Library, main campus. And not in a long time. It, it's now wrapped in Jay-Z lyrics hmm. and has his car out front, and I still don't know what it's for, and it doesn't make me want to go in there because I'm like, oh, this is very stunty. I feel like the whole area at the north end of Prospect Park yeah. that is dominated by this library and the Brooklyn Museum mm-hmm. is like a vortex of an entire ideology that I just don't want to be near. It's very hypey. And it's I'm like, sort of like it's it's like an it's a occupied zone of weird politics and cause, and I yeah. and I just don't like that overlap, and I want nothing to do. It's with a lot it. of white people being like, "We're not that bad," and you're like, "Yeah, you are. Yeah, like, yeah you definitely you are. are. You live like a block away from, you know, you if you live on Fifth Avenue, next to Prospect Park, you probably you know." I mean, you're definitely calling three one one during the West Indian Day Parade oh, because you had 150 to move your car. times. Yeah, duh. <laughs> like so, let's be real they, about uh, this. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. Hey, by the way, yeah. I just saw the ad on the subway, so it's on my mind. Can you believe that the new museum named the Judy Chicago Show Herstory? Oh, I forgot about that. I black I black box that. That's in my unbelievable own brain. to me. I was I was sitting on the. She su- would have had to name it herself. No, is she alive? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure, to be totally honest. I'm not I being think sarcastic. So. Okay. Because she likes to die. She's very old, but now her hair looks like a highlighter exploded oh, on it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, one of those. We'd love to I try to be young. I can picture it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if she approved that, it makes it even worse. But, you know, I'm sitting on the subway, like, staring at this ad that I've seen many times now. And every time I see it, I go, that was... What an unbelievable choice. Because... <sighs> do Does nobody there like sit at the board meeting where they're deciding this with Judy Chicago and they're like this is just going to read as cringy like there's no there's no other I think way they might like cringe I don't know do you think it's deliberate do you I think people know. sit there and delude themselves into thinking like it'll be cringy and, and I don't know you've been around Massimiliano longer than I have I don't the thing is I, I, you know I, I have limited exposure to like curatorial types mm-hmm. in the art world at this point. You know, I'm used right. to salespeople who do have this kind of self awareness, and they go, "No, no, no, no absolutely we, not. Yeah, 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 we can't do that." But curatorial people in their silo of academia and like museums, I don't think they have that kind of like ironic disposition. I think they they're in a bubble where they're like, "No, everyone thinks this way," and it, you're like, "Ooh," and every dealer like who has to lend something or find who you know dig through the archive of where they sold it is like you're calling it what the fuck now well that's the thing i started I'm not even gonna call the collector for that because i don't want that associated with them no listen this whole train of thought got me spiraling out on this show that i haven't seen by the way because i was like wait a minute where does judy, judy chicago even show i feel like it's gotta be one of these the brooklyn museum all the time forever that that basically counts as her gallery 
Yeah, kind her of. and Hannah Gadsby are represented by the Brooklyn. That's team. down now. <laughs> Finally, that's down now. Um, no, I, uh, what I'm getting at is like, so I don't think anybody in Judy Chicago's life like has you know an of the moment like sense of things. I think wherever she's showing is probably some like second or third rate legacy dealer. That was like on the periphery in the 20th century, but accumulated enough clout to get like an Upper East Side space and has been stuck there ever Don't since. Don't talk about Aquavella like that. <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. It's, it's definitely something like that. Will's looking it up right now. Yes, so I'm going to pause while you do that because I, I really do want to know. What's her gallery? Mm. It's not Pace. I'll tell you that. It's not Hauser and Worth. It's not David Swerner. It's not Larry Gagosian. Like, who is it? Salon 94. Oh boy! Actually, that okay. That's even funnier. And and Jessica Silverman. Whatever that is, you know. Ooh, you don't remember that? I don't. That was like a hot moment, but she turned out to be like. Kind of well, any gallery where the first <clears throat> and last name of the proprietor is in it, it's you know when you when you have a gallery that reaches a level of prominence, it's either partners' names or just the last name. David Werner. I, everybody calls it Swerner, though. It becomes a moniker. Yeah. When you achieve a level of power in well, any Well, you should never say gallery. It should just true. be your name. That's absolutely true. You know, yeah. like, because yeah, yeah. David Swerner is just David Swerner. What do we say? We say listen. We say Hauser. We say Swerner. Listen's not a person. Exactly. Name. It's not? I don't know. I would assume it is. Okay, no, because it's run could... by Englishmen. No, I have egg on my face. I don't know. Mm. People immigrate to England, though, by the way. No, it's two white guys. Son and a... Oh, Father. I wonder what that stands for then. That's weird. I don't fucking know. Who knows? Anyways, yep. so yeah, she shows at a at a gallery where the person's first and last name are in it. Strike one. Plus gallery. Oh uh, Yeah, right. Strike one and two. Yeah. And then you're at Salon 94, which is just always a clown show. Which, RIP, I don't even know where they are anymore. Me neither. They were next to the new museum for a while. Maybe that's, that's how they got that show there. They have a frequent connection with that place. I would almost guarantee it. No, because I think that Salon 94 is a restaurant now. I'm Yeah, I'm sure it is. A failing restaurant. Mm, which it, it kind it of was always was. Mm. You know? Oh, is there another one up there? I don't know. If mm. it, I'm just, All I'm saying is like in between showing like Kuji sweaters and William Wegman photos, y- if you threw like some tonkatsu ramen in there, uh, no one's going to know the difference. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, that, so that's what Judy Chicago's up to. So, okay. obviously, she's not getting any good advice no, from no, anyone. No, no. And, and the people involved that have a stake in her career have no incentive to tell her, just don't, that doesn't, that, that is a very silly title that they're looks like They're like, she's going to die, so we got to get her in a museum so we can up these prices because they're, they're, you know, bargain basement right now. That's true. And a lot of other museums don't seem to have any interest. I saw some late, I had occasion to see some late Judy Chicago work, not in person, in a book. Hmm. And I went, wow, this is very bad. She made very bad um, sort of academic figurative paintings. I shouldn't say she made. Assistants clearly made. Oh. They're like a hybrid of like 19th century academic figuration and like... Like Chicago imagist. I thought there were some like those. interesting like color fieldy look or you know like you know P and D adjacent kind of things happening for a while that were kind of cool. Well, let's just say that Caitlin Keogh oh, might yeah. have been stealing a little bit. That's fine. And sort of refining this concept. Caitlin Keogh's pretty smart about composition. I have no, I have no problem with that. I it, you know, everybody does this to some degree. It's mm. just funny when you find references that are like so so close to entire careers you're like, "Oh, 
Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah nobody you know was ever going to find this out, but someone got into the library and they went, "Oh yeah, okay, mm. here we go." Hey, everyone, listen, everyone, I, I everyone do, thinks I do that we can too. do we can do it. You know, we all think that we can get away with it, but we you know, we can't. Someone's no going to find you out eventually. Uh-huh. But, but so I, I was looking at those and I was thinking, like, oh okay, this makes a lot of sense because you can't like sustain an entire career selling like indefinite editions of like photographs and ephemera. <laughs> Well. Which is basically like what first generation feminist art ultimately is. You know, Judy Chicago's got her big museum plates and she's got objects and stuff, but it's like, yeah, there's only so many like college museums. Oh, that's true. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And once they all have one, you're done. You got to yeah. figure out how to make commodities that people actually want to like put on the wall and decorate with. Yeah. Because, you know, to quote the late great Jasper Johns, like the first job of a painting is to make the wall look Late great. It's a joke. Like, I'm not he's old. It. He's old. I'm not wishing it. I mean, I found his house on Google Maps and his address, and I want to send him a letter. I mean, now you're you willed it into the universe, though. I know I did. I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. Yeah, man. I, I don't know how to undo that. I don't know how to undo that spell that you just cast into the universe. Yeah, who's that... still alive? That's one of his uh, Horcruxes. Not to be one of those Harry Potter adults. Oh, but, you know. interesting. Who's a Horcrux for Johns that we could off? Uh, mm. Instead, yeah. Uh, uh, Bruce uh, Nauman's still alive. Oh, I would sacrifice him in a second. Yeah. I mean, if I'm the fallen angel Lucifer that just spoke the wrong name and yeah. I have the choice, I, I would absolutely off Nauman. Yeah, who else is you know, I like some of his work, by the way. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in general, when you're just leaving a, a camera in your studio on, you know, night vision mode and, and like, doing recording goofy dances. mice yeah. and mm-hmm. then expecting me to watch it, I I think... That's a pretty good video. I think yeah. you're done. It actually is. Yeah. You know. But... Doing swishy gay walk on a line and being like, everyone thinks I'm a fag. You know, like... That is, is Matthew Barney too young to take? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Plus, that's Bjork. I feel like Nauman's even too young to take. It's kind of hard Nauman's to... like f- 92. He's like in his late 80s as well. He's in his 90s? Not 90s. Okay. There's not a lot of people left in their 90s, gotta say. I don't know. I'm like... Mm. I was reading James Rosenquist's Wikipedia page today. Is he alive? No, he's not. He, he died dead. in 2017. No. So he got to see Donald Trump and then he kicked it. Okay. I don't think that's why he... You know. <laughs> um, I was actually... I was looking at Rosenquist because um, I was curious. I saw a picture of him on eBay. I was doing some eBay searching for posters. Okay. And there was a cool poster from one of his shows at Leo Costelli Gallery. Ooh. It, it was cheap, too. I, sh- I could get it. I just don't think it's... I don't know. I don't know if it's for my collection exactly, but it's a picture of Rosenquist in his studio in front of a ginormous painting. Mm-hmm. You can't even see the whole painting. Yeah. He's just standing in front of it, like sweeping the floor and it's behind him in, in part. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's a cool image and a cool poster. But I wonder what the biggest painting James Rosenquist ever made was. F-111. No. Just bigger? No. There's the common misconception. I had a feeling that that wasn't true. Hmm. So I googled this, of course, okay. and what comes up is F one eleven, and F one eleven is something like eleven by eighty feet, sure, or somewhere thereabouts. And I thought that's not right. I've seen books of James Rosenquist in the Cleveland Institute of Art Library that would lead me to believe, like they have fold out pages that come out like seven times. Oh, I was okay. like, he definitely made bigger paintings than this. So I found his Wikipedia page. I found his website. That his foundation runs. That has a nice catalog on it, by the way. Hmm. Been a long time since I looked into Rosenquist. Obviously, I'm a little hyped on it. Yeah. He's not a bad artist. I always forget that. I'm like, oh, 
It's kind of shallow stuff, but it's, it's like because no one shows it because it's so fucking big. You can't it's put it anywhere. It's hard to. That's why you get that shitty draw, like that one that the Met has that they plop up sometimes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're like, mm. somewhere in Germany, there's got to be like a disused industrial building with like three or four giant Rosenquists in it. Oh, probably. Uh, I hope so. But so anyway, I went on his website and I said, okay, there's got to be bigger ones than this, and of course there are. Much, much bigger ones. Hmm. Like, at at some point, his preferred format for, like, major works... Obviously, he makes a range of stuff. His preferred format was 17 feet 1 inch by 48. Which is not bigger... I can't fathom that. Which is not necessarily bigger than F-111. I'm not good at quick math with square footage, but that's in the ballpark. Because yeah. f one eleven is quite a bit shorter than that. Yes. Then there's other paintings that are the same height and longer. So there's paintings that are 17 foot one by like 120 feet. There was one that was lost in his studio fire. Do you remember that? That was uh, that was like when we were in undergrad. He had a big fire in his studio that destroyed a bunch of stuff. He had a studio in Florida, Texas. Oh. Um, and it caught on fire and it burned like a lot of his like major work especially of his like mid and late career oh up to that point but kind of a bummer he made this like big commission for some government building that was like 24 feet by like more than 200 feet i mean he was making huge, big bitches yeah mm-hmm. huge work always that panoramic format but fucking massive so anyway hmm. if anyone out there is ever curious and you google what's the largest painting james Rosenquist made it's not f111 it's much bigger than that Maybe the fire took out all the good ones, and they're. Well, he did a cool thing that uh, one painting, he, it looked like it got partially burned, but not completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. So he reworked it. I'm assuming probably the whole painting because it must have been smoke damage. But he reworked the painting and then cut part of it out so you can see the burnt stretcher. Oh. On like the left bottom corner, the burnt stretcher is exposed for like eight square feet. And then the rest of the painting is this big like flaming collage. That's kind of funny. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He did a lot of cool stuff with objects on his painting that I don't remember. There was like burnt wood from his studio or maybe a burnt painting that was like incorporated into another painting. You know, it's like kind of simpleton stuff i'm not saying this is like conceptually interesting it just looks pretty hot to like well yeah you know giant paintings with stuff on it i'm all about it (laughs) you know fuck you to chicago but you make a giant painting with some stuff i'm in i mean well i mean uh, that's why you like schnobby oh yeah i love jay schnobs man i was just looking at jay schnob stuff too oh god um there's a certain book that I remember looking at at the library, also at Cleveland Institute of Art, that I've wanted for a long time, and I did find it on eBay, but it's very, very expensive. The pink one? Yes. Julian Schnabel, Malaray. It's a French book, oh. which is partly why I think it's so expensive. And I, I'm sure it was just a limited run for some fucking museum show in 97 or whatever. The giant pink book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might know somewhere that employs someone that has several copies of it. What? How do you know that? Because it was on display in the lobby. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. That's cool. Well, that's a valuable book. Well. It's not like out of I think reach. it was under like Plexi. You know, it's not, one of these, it's not one of these things where people are doing this thing where they list it for $3,000 and no one ever buys it. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a little over 200 bucks, but. Oh, that's a, it's a huge object, though. 
I know. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing that I'm like, what do I want more? A new kitchen knife or the Julian Schnabel book? And the answer is always going to be the new kitchen knife or whatever else is on your mind, right? Yeah. It's also the holiday season. I'm buying gifts. You know. it's. I'm having trouble on the gifting front. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at that point, you're like, well, this is a table now. This is the size of a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not buying furniture in book form. Well, you know how I feel about that. That don't bother me. No, I mean, I'll figure out how to mount something on the wall that displays only psychotic. the Julian. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. man, I feel like I, I'm trying to tee up the art thing because I want you to tell me about Man at Degas. Oh well, I I just saw apparently, uh, uh, what's her face? Dana has a show at, at Warner now. Is that right? Yeah, I'd be excited. And they're to looking see that. very. Uh, Philip Gustiny and I'm like, ooh, girl, no. Ooh, girl, why? Yeah, you know, I have to say that I I don't think that Dana Schutz in... This is just a taste thing. I'm not talking on the level of, like, appreciating them in very much depth. But I don't think she's been as good as I would have hoped over time. I think she's only gotten worse, actually. I think she started really high, and she's been on a, a slow downward spiral with some glimmers of light in there. I thought but that... she has wacky ideas that if they don't come off, they're yeah. not great. Yeah. Like, Remember when she was like cutting out things and putting black velvet behind them, and you're yeah, like, you're stop like, this. This yeah. is no good. That's why that show at Petzl was really good. The, the Beyonce show with yeah. the elevator paintings yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that show was great. That was a banger. That was one of the that was one of the only good shows she's put on uh, since her well, original. Well, then she run. thought she was like hot shit, and then had to go get more money. Mm-hmm. And you're like, girl, what? Um, and then you know, CI is having a moment. Craig Kucha is also having a show up right now. I don't know who that is. He's a friend of uh, Tim. Oh, no. okay. Not Tim. Well, what's who is that guy? Who like lived in Lakewood? Oh boy, uh, I don't taught know. undergrad painting, like first year painting. Tim Callahan? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Tim. Yeah, Tim Callahan's a really good painter, by the way. Yeah, one I, of his friends. I always like his stuff. Um, oh, I think I vaguely remember who this person is, although I don't remember who, what their work looks like at all. It's of that era in time, smushy, mm. big chunky brush, you know that kind of shit, where everyone was like, "Oh, we'll do Dana too." Yeah, there was a lot of copycats, kind of jumping on that yeah. hype train. The thing with Dana is I think she would be better off in my opinion if she did shows that were uh, fewer works but were just giant epic history paintings. That's yeah. what she's good at. She yeah. should just do that. I I don't know. Her experiments are never that interesting to me. Also I think like, you know, maybe just do the like fun history paintings, do the jokey ones because mm-hmm. you know, maybe when we get a little too serious about like painting or politics, we kind of like Shit the bed on Oh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that recently. That moment in time of, like, oh, let's censor the people. I was like, ooh, bad idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, I give her a lot of credit for that, Dana Schutz. Yeah. Not the people that censored her. Like, I don't think they're... Uh, this is actually interesting. I would like to revisit this moment. Hey, mm-hmm. guys, remember the Emmett Till painting and everyone was mad because we didn't post black squares or whatever? This um, was years before it that. It was actually before that, yeah. But uh, we were mad because it was like the year before Trumpy time. I, I have I to say, I think that Dana Schutz is going to win this one historically. I think that's very obvious from the point of view of 2023. We probably talked about that on the podcast. That wasn't that many years ago. It was probably like w- around the time we started this. No. 
Had to have been. It was a Whitney Biennial. Yeah, but it, it would have been... We started this a while ago, man. I don't know. I don't know time. Uh, that would have been like... It may, might have been just predated it. I think 2018. Yeah, we started this in 2019, uh, so I'm sure uh, it's come sure, up before. Yeah. But the but the, the <clears throat> point the point being that I think five years later, yeah, it's pretty obvious that you know, art world people might still act that way, but the broad consensus is like we're done with doing that. Yeah, the censorship part, um, and I think that she'll be vindicated because I think you know her point of view. The, the cool thing is she never really apologized for it, which I respect. She was just like, look, I was coming from a place of empathy. Yeah. When I painted this, which it's obvious that that's entirely possible. I mean, if you're a libtard and the whole project of liberalism to you is like, you know, universal human progress over time through incremental reform, I think you have to admit that empathy across like identity lines is possible and necessary and something everybody wants. So she was just hitting a little outside of her, you know. Well, punching outside of her realm of like, hey, maybe a history that you lived instead of one that you are looking back upon. Yeah, but that's dumb because that's not how empathy actually works, because everybody only has one experience that they live. And there's an infinite multitude of experiences across time and race and gender and geography and everything. And if if you can't you know use your mind to bridge the literal, then you're a fucking idiot and you lost. And so I think that'll be fine. And I think whatever collector was savvy enough in that moment to go, oh, I'll buy this. Dip. She never sold it. Uh, she refused to sell it. It's hers. Well, maybe I'll buy it. Um, mm. But anyway, that will show up in museum shows later. Oh, yeah, later. Who and, it, and it will be an important thing in the same sense. It'll that end up in the Whitney's collection somehow. Eventually. Yeah. When, when, when everybody has enough historical distance and calms down from the moment, it'll be a very good representation of a certain thing that happened. Well, you know that Whitney wants it. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, it's so spicy. And it's part of our history now. Well, I had this, I had this uh, uh, not an argument, but I mean, I had this conversation uh, about a different topic. I might have brought this up on the podcast, actually. Um, someone that I know was talking to me about Jordan Wolfson. And Why? Well, listen. Of all people. So it was another Whitney Biennial controversy. It was when Jordan Wolfson was in it, and they had that. That was the same show. It was the same show. Okay. So we were talking about years later then. Yeah. Correction. Yeah. Um, Because everyone thought that, like, the Jordan Wolfson VR thing of beating people was going to be the spicy thing. Because everyone's just like, oh, it's a Dana painting over there, whatever. Well, which it kind of was in its own way. Yeah. Right? But nobody wanted to cancel it. Yeah. Um, But so we're talking about the Jordan Wolfson thing. And he says, like, you know, I find it really, like, repulsive that when you're going to make art, the thing that you would want to focus on is something so ugly and violent. Like, there's enough violence and ugliness in the world. Why wouldn't you want to produce something beautiful rather than something ugly? Now, set- are you a fucking pansy? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're giving me a weird look, but... No, I, the person who said that, I would... I, I, no, I understand, you know, but I, I'll get into my own position on that in a second but like to give that person the benefit of the doubt like i do kind of understand that position it's dumb it's naive like it's very ill ill considered as an artist to think that the only thing you can do is produce i I mean like i don't even know what kind of like world of fairies and unicorns someone like that is living in that person I, i i don't know well, it's just this overly romantic notion of the way that like humans are. It just it just yeah. it's a signal to me that you don't you haven't really thought very deeply about really anything. Well, at all, it's it's the let idea, alone art. It's the idea that like as an artist, you're there to enrich the world instead of hold up a mirror 
you know. Right, but the the more fundamental, I think, like philosophical deficit is that if enrichment to you only means positivity, only means beauty, like get this fucking hippie shit yeah. out of your head. I mean that that you're not a serious person to quote Succession. If yeah. if your view of humanity is that everybody should act like they're in kindergarten and you know what I mean? Yeah. What and are we decorating? Like yeah. flowery shit. No. So I, I said to this person like, well. You know, I see where you're coming from, but what do you then think about the raft of the Medusa? Right? Yeah. Like, that painting in its day was considered, like, graphic to the point of vulgarity. It was grotesque, yeah. It was, you know, it was a current event that people didn't want to relive, you know. Or what about Guernica? Or what about things like this? Mm-hmm. So you're thinking of Jordan Wolfson because it's VR yeah. as being somehow, like, this lesser thing that you can... I mean, the VR is the most offensive part. Uh, you, well, you put something that other people are touching. No, thank you. I mean, it's one of these classic examples where the fact that the conversation it generated, including this one, yeah, and many others, is I think evidence enough that it was a worthy thing to have made. Yeah, because it did what it's what art is supposed to do. We're not talking about Anarchy Yee's like perfume making video. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares about that. You know. Oh, yeah. oh my God! Some moths made something moldy in a plexiglass box. Cool. I don't give a fuck. No one cares. Yeah. So, and it's about climate change. No, it's not. Is it? <laughs> Apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I was, you know, I raised all these examples. Like in painting, you would never say that. What you? Uh, th- sorry, backing. That, that's speaking, right. speaking, <laughs> speaking from the perspective of that person criticizing, like making something violent yeah. as an act as an act of art, like. When you give them painting examples from history, immediately they're like, oh, shit, I'm a dumbass. Well, yeah. Um, and so I think the Dana Schutz thing, yeah. to bring it back to that, it's just a parallel example. It's like there, there's it's funny that they're from the same Whitney Biennial. Yeah. But there's things like this that happen and people freak out and get all upset. And it's like, hmm. no, the Emmett Till painting is fine. In yeah. fact, it's actually very good for what it did. Yeah. It's even a better work of art than you would think. It's not a Cher Hughes loopy sunset situation that, you know, who cares? She fell off, right? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I, I mean, I don't I, know. I stopped following. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I still follow her, I think, but I don't see any posts. Oh, I wonder what that means. She dropped uh, Rachel Uffner and went to David Kordansky, and then I never saw her uh, ever show anything ever again so well like, people Ooh. from los angeles do you see Shar hughes paintings uh probably he has a space in new york now i know they're starting that it's whole ugly. thing it's been open oh it really yeah oh, okay well um <clears throat> anywho you want to you want to talk man and degas well yeah let's get into it because you know dana schutz emmett till uh history painters Ma- yay Ma- manet has many many instances that are parallel examples to this Scandaloso, Olympia, yeah. Luncheon on the Grass, like, you know, the list goes on and on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me about the show because you didn't. I didn't well. like it. I I don't. I mean, granted, it was. It's. Let's just talk about like logistics of it. You have to scan a QR code, and then you go and wait in line. Event, uh, you know, when you get there, which by the time you get up there, you're kind of like, it's fine and half the time the app doesn't work so they're like oh did you do the thing i was like yeah i got the text and they're like oh can you show us um you're so deep in the mat that you don't get cell service oh yeah and they're like we just want to get the numbers right but like it hasn't been working like just go i was like okay great thanks bye um so that's a fucking nightmare um 
and you know that these poor people were so depressed after having to explain that to like the sheer amount of old people that I saw in that that gallery. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I don't it know. was big old people city, and they were farty, and that might have you know clouded my judgment. Mm, literally, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sulfuric clouds in <laughs> Manet. Um, but like, I ended up with a, a much greater appreciation for uh, Degas. He actually like a lot of them looked really great. Um, and that maybe does that kind of thing too, of like looking a little softer, a little more refined compared to a manet. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like, you know, when a year later you saw a lot of these things in C2 where they belong at the Musée d'Orsay, like they don't hit as good. Do you, do you think that has to do with the personal experience of like being in a foreign country and, you know having some like desire to have reverence for it and stuff. I mean, do you think it actually looks better? Cause like the, yeah. what I'm getting at is like the Musée d'Orsay to me was like not that great of a space, but it was more that I was having like a nice experience. Cause it was things I'd always wanted to see in a, in a charged atmosphere that yeah. you don't normally exist in. Well, when like, do you think it was really the Met or do you think it was, I think when something, view? I think when something is, a hit that's surrounded by all hits you can kind of gauge you know how good something is but when you're looking at like a smash number one single and then the like kids bop version of it all yeah, around you're yeah. like ooh, this is hard to see because like it's degrading to that like object when it's around like c tier shits you know yeah i see what you're saying because yeah. like the portrait of zola is in the met show too no one talks about it i'm like oh that's kind of like a better you know for me, more interesting to kind of pick apart with all the details and shit like that. Sure. They shove it in a corner, and it's, like, next to something from, like, the MFA Boston, and you're like, Ugh. like, uh, and right, they have that, right. they have that, um, the piece together, uh, Manet, that Degas was trying to, like, buy back the pieces of. Yes, 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 but yes. But I think we saw that in London, too. We did, yeah. So I was like, oh, and it's, like, shoved in, like, because the Met doesn't have the temporary exhibition space to really like give things space and i get i know that they were trying to do like one in one a lot or like split a room but then it was overhung and i was like okay so like when you have like heavy hitters like this and you're pulling like some of the excuse me some of the greats out from you know france and they've never left right why do this to them right 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 so that's where i get a little like pissy about it i was like it is these don't look right. right. Nothing you, looks great. You together. have like a second rate drawing or engraving like next to Olympia or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that might not well, there's be nothing literally even, true, but there's chalk drawings is the only thing that it was like, Degas, draw pussy too. And you're like, okay, but what? Like, right. that's not this. And it's like, I don't know. It doesn't, ha it's in the middle of a room. So you don't even get like the full walk. Right. So you're kind of like, eh, it's a little close to how it is in the Dor Dorsay because it's in that low room off to the side yeah 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 I remember so like that. i kind of get that you don't get that much distance from it distance from it anyway but i was like yeah here it just looks like shit hmm everything looked bad yeah i wonder i mean this sounds like a curatorial disaster like that whoever you know the organizers of the show just didn't 
didn't have a clear enough vision for what they were trying to accomplish. I mean, that's baked into the title itself. The fact that it doesn't have a through line, that it's just the two names, like, there's nothing wrong with that in principle, I guess. Well, it was about, like, a kind of, like, you know, collaboration and, uh, what's it called, um competition like that kind of thing because like it it starred like what pieces were in each's collection and what they bought after their deaths at their estate sales like okay. you know like there's all those kind of notes of like showing how intertwined they were but i'm like okay but like don't take that repieced painting from you know london and put it right by the door to leave hmm. like you're putting that in a slosh position right like what like it, it, it is the kind of thing where it's like exhibition design does matter, as, and it shows so clearly when you have like great things that you're just fucking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Mets been doing that lately. They've been doing a little too much. Like, ooh, we're doing like interactive looking kind of like open wall shits, and you're like, listen, I just need to look at the stuff, not care about your stupid little step walls, and let me just. Put the things in front of me. You have the things. Let's do this. Right. Well, you know, I I wonder how much of it, too, could be that you have a curatorial idea, which is the cross-pollination between Manet and Degas, whether that's their competitiveness or their friendship or their shared position in time or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you have the fact that you work at the Met and the Met has a lot of clout and you can get these high-level objects that maybe other museums, if you were working in the Toledo Museum of Art, you wouldn't be able to get, right? So there's probably some pressure from the board to get, you know, seats and chairs or in this case, you know, gray hairs learning QR codes. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we could get Olympia. And you're like, well, but my project is really more about Manet and Degas and their collaboration. And Olympia has very little to do with that. And they're like, yeah. well, but the Musée d'Orsay has been wanting to do something with us for a long time. So so if we trade with them now, when we have why don't we get all stuff? this yeah. stuff when we have this great idea? And they're like, well, that kind of dilutes my idea. You know, I don't want to blame the curators entirely. It just what you're describing feels like there's a lot of outside forces at work that are about doing something that's like half academically rigorous and half we amusement. We want a blockbuster. Yeah. And And, it felt a little bit like that feels like that. Yeah. So for like a sophisticated art viewer, that's like, okay, I have an eye on all of these different vectors. Right. Exhibition, design, curation, the work itself, the, the entertainment aspect well, you've done 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%, and it doesn't... That feels like that. Yeah. Rather than... You know, remember when they did the uh, the Cubism and Trump Loy show? Yeah. It's like, that felt tight and focused and cool and had revelations had, in it. Yeah. Because it was all... It was all curatorial and exhibition design focused. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was going to bring people in because Picasso just does that. But did it? I feel like no. But I don't think that that... Well, uh, no, I think it did. But in in like a small way, and they put it in a small gallery and stuff. It's like maybe your Manet Degas show belongs in the small gallery by the Greek sculptures, and it's more focused on drawings and small paintings. And yes, maybe you do use your leverage with major collections in France, but you get the best pastel. You don't need... 
Why do you need Olympia? That it, didn't add to the story. It, it sounds like, like they shoved a lot of things in that didn't need to be. They also there. borrowed like a study for uh, Dejeuner. Yeah, which is small, and I don't think. What kind of study is it? Is it's it like a drawing? No, it's like a painting, like but oh. just a little version. That's of cool. It. I didn't even know that existed. Neither did I. But yeah. it, it is a clear kind of signal to me that you know that they wanted. They're like, well, if you're going to give us Olympia, why not? Can we do a BOGO situation? You They're like, we'll give you, you t- two out of three, but not. We're going to hold it. This yeah. is cultural artifact for us. You don't get to have this ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but when you have the like little one, you're like, so you're telling me you got this other one and the other one. And you couldn't get that one? Huh. And you settled? Just because you needed to have two garden scenes, one by one guy and one by the other yeah, guy. Right, like, right. And obviously, like, even the study is so much better than a Degas, like, park scene. Because, like, conceptually, you're just like, that's just a park scene. This is, like, a thing in history. But, like, small, it doesn't hit. You're like, eh. Because her eyes are not as, like, focused. Like, it's a little blurry. Like, it's not as tight of a painting. That was yeah, my first I mean, That whatever. was my first time that things were about to go downhill real fast. Hmm, interesting. Can you, t- can you tell me more about having a better appreciation for Degas? We kind of glossed over that, but, like, why? Uh, I mean... I, there's a certain point in the show where you're like, oh, he is really good at using color in a way that Manet is like the master of brown mushy okay. and gray. Like he's not as like color filled in a way that like Degas, like you get that more impressionist light in a lot of those works. No, you know what? That's interesting. I, I wouldn't have said that in quite that way in isolation, but I think that you're right because I think... Manet, because his technique is a little loose and brushier and anticipates a lot of things to come, you know, from uh, Van Gogh to de Kooning. Yeah. I mean, Manet is the start of all that. But he's actually like a local colorist. He's got enough chops to do like a little bit of impressionistic things where like the color relationships do matter. But like he's not a colorist. No. no. He's still very much of the 19th century in the sense that like if he's painting a blue jacket, it's like navy blue, light blue and white. Barely. You yeah. know what I mean? From, Everything's from very great. Yeah, highlight. there's a lot of gray. Then like the grays are really colorful grays, but they're still great. Exactly. Like, it's the yeah. kind of like, um, fuck, what's the other guy? The guy with the origin of the world. Why am I? Lo- Corbet. I mean, I he's think I'm defin- really losing brain cells every day um but like he's definitely closer to a early 19th century realist painter than he is to an impressionist yeah yeah. and that shows i think in this show like what the history is out of because he paints like you know it is like life painting not like idealized life painting right the the thing with degas that i could that i can never get over for myself except maybe when i see his pastels um you know, in that dimly lit back room at the Met. Mm-hmm. That's where I have the most exposure to them. Um, he's a really great colorist in those because he doesn't use a lot of black. Yeah. But when I see his other paintings, he always feels like a bridge to me. Well, this is maybe why he's paired with Manet, but he always feels like a bridge from the 19th century uh, realist tradition to the Impressionist for me because he always does beautifully coloristic and innovative things that are then overlaid and or underlaid with basically a grisaille. Yeah. He's doing color and then he's anchoring it with drawing in black and white. Yes. Well, the other great thing, no goddamn ballerinas. 
That's great. I'm glad they avoided that. They, not a single one. There's one stage-related thing, but it's of the audience. Oh, so you don't feel like you're in a bathroom unless you're seeing a toilette painting of prostitutes. Yeah. Well, there, there are some bathers because they have to discuss like the Mary Cassatt influence. Oh, we have to shoehorn that in there. Well, there's a lot of Bertha Morisot, but I'm like, yeah, she's... Kind of L- cool. Listen, Bertha Morisot and Mary Cassatt are both great, but uh, Degas and Manet were influences on them, not the other way around. Oh, Let's yeah. be very, like, seriously. Come on, we do, we don't have to like. Morisot was a contemporary. They were all contemporaries, but let's not let's not revise it for the sake of politics. They both painted her, so I'm sure there was some like you know wanting no, wanting yeah. to get it in there competition that you know I didn't read the labels for. Oh, one thousand percent. Duh. Um, Dudes be dudes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I was like, oh, why do I like take out? Oh, not a single fucking ballerina. I well, like, yeah, I mean. This is making me. I was like, oh, this is. This looks great when I'm not distracted by, like, what a fucking pervert. You know? I don't even think of the. I, I, I've never understood the ballerina paintings to be, like, particularly perverted even. I just think they're kitschy. Yeah, well, kitschy and, you know, like, why are you looking at those little girls? Come on. And the feet? Ooh. I mean, I don't know. There might Nasty. be there might be a Balthus slash Epstein angle to it. <laughs> but, I, I, look, I, 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 I'm saying this in all honesty. I might just be a naive idiot, but I've never taken that away from it. I, I don't think that was his interest in ballerinas or anything. I, I think he just liked the stage lighting and all yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah, I, I, do, I do think it was more about the, like, the theatrical nature of it and the movement of the figures oh, the way the camera angle on them is always like looking down at them though and you're always like why are you mm. leering um yeah maybe you know it, it could be argued hey listen I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of judy chicago's out there that have written like scathing uh you know first wave feminist reviews of Degas. why bother but yeah I don't, i'm not really sure why you'd care so much mm. I don't know. But yeah, no none none in the show, which we love to see. That's why maybe I was like, "Oh, no, he looks good. great." I you mean, know? that has to be a curatorial risk with every Degas show ever is they're like, "We can't make this look like a bathroom in Ohio." Yeah. We have to not do that. How do we not yeah. do that? And they're like, "Okay, just no ballerinas or very few." Mhm. You know. And none. Zero. Yeah. Love it. We just keep those in the permanent collection. So that the tourists get to go, ooh, ah. Kind of, yeah. And then in the in the shows that are only up for a little while, we just don't do that. Do you remember the dead uh, Toreador in the National Gallery? Yeah, I love that painting. It's in the show. Oh, cool. Because I was like, ooh, I've seen that before. And then I was like, oh, it's I have seen that. I don't know. As you get older and you, see, you go more places and see more shit, you're also kind of like, leave it in the places. I'll go see it. Maybe that's terrible to say. Because I'm like, you know, certain things, you want the greatest hits to live with the, in where they play best. And when you rip them out and you're like, oh, God, again, they're just with some, like, shit. Like, this is why, like, when you go to, like, the MFA bus and you're like, everything looks great together because it's all kind of mid-tier. No one's really hammering it out of the park. Yeah. But when you got banger, 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 like, this is my problem. Well, again, I think it just depends a lot on, um, I think it just depends a lot on personal experience. I think when you have a larger breadth of art viewership, yeah, um, you want to you want your experience of the work to remain consistent, yeah. And then 
if that happens to mean that the experience is somewhat heightened because you've gone out of your way to do it, that's for the better. Yeah. And when you don't have to go out of your way so much. I had to go to the Upper East Side. And then it's like here, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's a very personal thing. I'm not discounting it because I, I basically agree with you, but something intuitively inside of me is saying, like, that's not I would, that's not really a problem. I would go try to see it and see how it feels to experience it because I was like, I don't know. Um, well, I, I think for me it's just you, you want things to be kind of special. It's like I don't need to see Olympia more than a couple of times in my life. Yeah. That's part of what makes it a good painting. Yeah, it's if, like if we're just gonna prostitute the painting, yeah, get that hoe out there. If if we're just gonna get that hoe out there all over again, in some way that feels wrong. Like yeah. that that feels like it, it it dishonors the um. It dishonors the integrity of the history of the piece, not the piece itself, but like it's been built up into an icon, right? It is a thing of reverence. You should go out of your way to worship it. In quotes. Mm. Um. You know, you may not like that, but I but I do think that that's the reality of like certain works of art, especially heavily reproduced ones, yeah. ones that are so like beaten over your head as like important things. Like it does require a certain frame of mind to really experience them in a way that where they don't get lost in the sea of information that you're always a part of. This is why Catholics go to the the what's the Pope plan? The Vatican. There you go. Or like you know. That ceiling, the Sistine Chapel ceiling, well, yeah, like, yeah. well, granted they're in place and on the wall, but like, you know, if you are going to pilgrim, go pilgrim, you know? Well, I'm saying precisely that, you know, yeah. there's the thing where Nietzsche said that the, the, the death of God, right? And what most people take that to mean is, well, then fuck it. God is dead. It's a secular situation. We can do whatever we want. It, you know, we'll suck and fuck and... And we'll all be happy. And then guess what happens is everybody's wrong. lonely and depressed and they're on chemicals and everything sucks, right? What I'm arguing for is that when you have these uh, examples of modern icons in the sense of modernity, not time period, yeah. that end up becoming these like sources of serious significance, these kind of like core um, core icons – yeah, you should go and travel and see them as as if they're the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. It's kind of important that you demonstrate that that you participate in the spiritual aspect of what these things have become. Otherwise, you're just a rootless cosmopolitan like and, idiot weirdo. And Piggy and Piggy wants the slop brought to them. You know, like Yeah, I don't want the slop brought to me. No, I don't like, want it. I, I think I've got like, enough slop, you know? We're good on slop here. I don't you know? want Manet transformed into slop. No. I don't want that. Why is Olympia getting dirty in shipment? Like, you know, an art handler had to touch that? The fuck? An American art handler touched Olympia. Gross. Ugh, disgusting. Yeah, it's not great. Like No, it's not it, good. Like plus it's like it it does diminish the thing again, like you know things in france you're surrounded by the language you understand the site yeah, on which yeah. it was painted like everything starts to feel more apparent of its why which is a very french thing like the etro problem of what's its raison d'etre you yeah know? exactly like and then it's just in the met on this you know in that shitty weird gallery uh, right the fact that it's raison d'etre has become we need to get gray hairs to understand qr codes we so gotta get asses and seats time yeah. we do a banksy show 
people will understand how to wait in line. Well, we had to keep... like the fact that that's part of the reason that that painting Sucks. is there yeah. is horrible. Yeah, yeah, we, we we're put, yeah we're we're prostituting the prostitute. You know, yeah. like we can't do it. Like it that sucks that's horrible yeah um there is a really good like art in the 1930s show up right now oh really very good what's what's in it is it like american art american regionalism american art 1930s like uh wga like communist papers kind of like the graphic design shit that i love you know like and Ooh, is it like a hybrid of art and design type of stuff? Yeah, I feel like that Ooh, could be very fruitful. So That's hard. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Great thing. It's about a 10-minute viewing, so then by the time you're done with that, you can just pop on over and get Ooh. walk right into Degas and Manet. Is is that Matisse show there, or did I like make that up in my head? I swear to God, there was a, some sort of Matisse oh, and somebody that, else like, show. Fovist moment. Yeah, I yeah. think that's down. Oh, fuck. God damn it. I miss everything. Yeah. Um. Because I think that was up at the same time that... Oh, no, that's at MoMA, isn't it? I think it's at MoMA. You're right. I am not going there. It's too much money, and I don't care about Ed Rouget. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, yeah, everyone has said Ed Rouget show is like, meh. Middling well, I mean, we were, we were talking about James Rosenquist earlier. I'd rather see that. Oh, Rosie? Like a museum that can... Put, um, and MoMA could do it. Wouldn't have that many paintings in it, but again, like, just please, restrain yeah. yourselves. It doesn't. It's fine if oh, there's yeah. only a few if they're good. Like the Whitney pick, could do it. I don't know. It, uh, if you I get think rid of all, the has got more square footage than they do. Mm, they have too many walls. Hmm. Whitney, I don't know. Whitney, you can just clear, clearly clear out the floor plan and just slap some walls that go a billion feet. Yeah, regardless. But yeah, I don't know. I said this one time before when we were talking about not seeing the Ed Rocher show. Is just I, I have very little interest in most pop art anymore. I know. Well, I kind of don't think it doesn't reward actually going to see it in person very well. Mm. I think you can basically just get it. You get scale. That's the only thing. That's fine, but I don't know. I, I used to be more impressed by like industrial technical uh, processes in a way where I'm like I just. You know, hobbyists that make model tanks know as much about this, if not more, mm, than any yeah. of these major pop artists ever did. Yeah, I can get all that kind of content on YouTube. So the idea of going and seeing like text painted with tape and an airbrush to me is like why? badly. Yeah, just not even good either. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Uh, yeah, I don't did ru- I I feel like this often, but I'm like I was ruined by Europe, and that's the terrible part. I'm like you know. I mean, I'm glad you brought that. I feel I feel like that all the time. We're we're doing a very annoying thing, which I'm sure a lot of oh, yeah, a, sure. a lot of the people listening are shaking their fists at, which is like goes to Europe once and then complains about. But that was like, what are we going on? Like two years ago, one year ago, one, a little over a year ago. Yeah. I, I I think about it every two days, probably, especially when it when I'm thinking about art and talking about art with you, or like going and seeing it, and I'm just like, God, fuck, no. The new world is not so good for this, actually. It doesn't, no. It's not conducive to the kind of art that I like. Well, like, this is why, like, you know, again, seeing that 30s show, I'm like, you know what? This is great. And this, and also it was so small. It could have been so much bigger. But, like, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, American institutions can do certain things very well. What they cannot do well anymore 
is put on a blockbuster and they all they want is blockbusters because they want the money right like because right. this is america and we're funded we don't fund arts for shit right right so like you know in europe you have a blockbuster every goddamn day you know or if they have one it's like mm-hmm. well they don't have to put one on because you can just walk into one like the, That's idea, what I mean. the yeah. idea of why would you do like to them i think it's probably confusing why would you even do that why would you want all, more people than we already have doing this shit right, you right. know like we don't have that issue it's always like how do we squeeze more money out of people at every point to get into our cultural institutions and well like, and i think that was okay for a while like you know when the when the market was really resurgent for the last 25 years basically like when the art market went from obscurity to mainstream there was a version of doing this that had worked for a long time and i think yeah. it's just not i don't think it works for the audience of proles that they're trying to entertain anymore as much mm-hmm, yeah or maybe it works too well for them and then for the audience that like does like things to be a little siloed and elitist and kind of narrow and niche it definitely doesn't work for us anymore but there was a period of time where that overlap wasn't the worst thing right. like yes it was more crowded but hey you got more of everything and now it's just kind of like hey a tighter curatorial concept in terms of like what is art from the 1930s uh, look like in 10 pages is way better than the novel of what does this well-tried territory look like for an audience right. of people that like water slides more than paintings. Like, yeah. you, you don't... I, I'm a little tired of the second overlap. The, right. the former is interesting. The latter, to me, not so much. Well, like, I, you know, dead horse, but like that Gray show... The Jasper Johns Gray Show. That was a long still, time ago. It's so long ago. Yeah. But like still one of like the, t- it's a very narrow thing. It's what the Met could do well. It's not a blockbuster. It's just something that's just like, hi, we're the Met. We can and we will. And it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be, again, very small, very niche, but it's going to be banger after banger after banger. And, right. But in, again, in a very small sliver of work. Um, well, like y- galleries this is the thing that America does well. Our galleries are set up in a way that like our gallery shows are better than our museum shows. They are. Yeah. For, at that, for sure. They are. At that point for a sophisticated viewer, you just want white walls, the shit on the walls and then leave. Yeah. And about five people in the room. Well, and you want a narrow focus, which in terms of galleries happens to be sales. So yeah. that's fine with me actually though, because if it's like, Hey, we're doing um, Sam Gilliam late work. You're like, okay, that's a thing I can focus on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see 12 paintings and some of them are going to suck. One of them's going to be good. One of them's called Beyonce, but at least like that's okay. I'm in a period of time. I'm in a certain frame of mind. There's very few distractions. It just is what it is. Yeah. And you can like it or not. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just, I don't need, I don't need it to be, uh, Jules Olitsky celebrating a hundred years. It's like, no, no. Let's much. let's yeah. just do Jules Olitsky celebrating the nineteen seventies. That would be enough for me. I'd go, holy shit! The same amount of space that you devoted to like spreading this out. Yeah, we could just do with the same amount of paintings, but of a one certain time, and yeah. you get a lot more information in a more fulfilling way rather than a cheap high. Well, and also is more educational at that totally. point you know like this is where i feel like i don't know what the like again what was the point other than asses and seats there wasn't one i know and that's just a fucking the like, fact that it's palpable is what bothers me i really don't have a problem with that aspect of it usually yeah because like t- to use jasper johns again 
like in a way the the recent double retrospective at Philly and New York was kind of the pinnacle of this overlap between entertainment value blockbuster show and uh you know something dense with content like a typical retrospective but the reason that it worked is that it was entertaining because it's an artist with a lot of name recognition and they were showing a lot of work right you're going to get asses and seats for that Mm -hmm. but you still had to do a little bit of work if you wanted to see the show in its entirety meaning you had to go to two places yeah which for most people is too heavy of a lift yeah i mean i feel like we're in the one percent of people that actually did that yeah and did that more than once that's true. I mean, we uh, there's a fraction of a percent of the people that saw that show that ever did that. I don't know. I don't know anyone besides you who did that, but I was there with you. I don't exactly. That. I don't know anyone besides for you who saw both parts twice. That's crazy. Well, I saw New York three times. And you saw New York three times. So, so like that is a good example to me of like you can do the blockbuster thing, but let's be a little bit let's be a little bit clever about it. Make people work for it yeah. for the educational value. Yeah. If they want that. I feel like that's kind of the perfect hybrid in a way because not everybody wants that, and that's fine. If you just see Whitney, if you just see Philly, you'll get what you wanted. If yeah. you're an idiot, and you get a well, but you also get a full sense, you and know? you get a full sense. It was it was brilliant. So that can happen. That's possible. Yeah, um, but you know, it's got to be inspired. Like, uh, there's a thing from Red, Red Letter Media I think about all the time. That's just like a one-off joke. That's like, um, you know, most movies come from some kind of spark somewhere. Right. And then it'll flash up a bunch of posters of like really classic blockbuster movies, Terminator, Robocop, Star Wars, like Mm -hmm. things that were clearly inspired and got people in line. And then and then it's like um, and some things not so much. And then the poster that flashes up is like Transformers, Pirates of the Caribbean. We're getting to this territory with art world stuff where it's like Manet Degas is starting on the downward spiral of like we're not really trying that hard anymore. Yeah, this is our Loki season one or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever. Like the the method doesn't work, and it's kind of like, well, why you're the Met? Why do you have to do that? You're the fucking like you have the the largest endowment. Actually, they don't, but they have a giant endowment. Like what? They're not hurting for money. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, again, I uh, you know, hey. We're we're over the hour. It's going to get boring anyway. Mm. But it's just you know I, I'm sure there's your payroll gets bigger, your logistics get more right, complicated, yeah. your insurance costs more. I get the incent like the embedded growth obligations are no less present at the Met than they are at a Fortune 500 company, and that sucks though because that's not your job to grow. Your job is quality, not expansion necessarily you know i'm doing math so if every day this is what you make in ticket sales right you would have to everyone would have to pay first of all a pay full price for 25 dollars. i don't know what it actually costs because i just don't care um this isn't enough let's just say times how many days do you think this is up 90 that's 7.8 million dollars if everyone pays the full price right which you, I guess you have tourists. So let's do a New York discount. Yeah, but let's just, let's be let's be ultimately let's be really concrete here for the listener too, because you're doing a lot of you're a doing, lot of math on the side. Yeah. So so Will's talking about if everybody pays full price, potentially the Met makes like eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven thousand dollars a day. If you have five hundred people in the space per hour, 
for seven hours. And that's just on at twenty five dollars a person. And that's just on admission and stuff. So yeah. over the run of a show like this, they might make seven to eight million dollars. They probably make something more like five to six million dollars. Five point nine. If we're if we're dialing it back. If you do a, I did twenty five percent of people who saw it were New Yorkers who don't now pay money. I, I I don't know where you're going with this, but I would imagine you're smart enough to go to the same place as me if you imagine the 90 day working budget for just simply a building that size yeah with the staff that it has um the amount that you just showed me say six million dollars yeah. to average it out for 90 days i don't even think that's five percent yeah. of their operating budget yeah it's so much higher than that their electric bill is probably over a million dollars mm, yeah per month yeah I, in fact, I know that it is. It, it must be, yeah. be. Yeah. So, yeah, the ticket sales aren't doing anything anyway. So this maybe supports your point, which is don't strive for that then. Don't do if, that. If, yeah. if all of your money is coming from Agnes Gund because every 10 years someone has to finger her at a at a museum benefit. That's for MoMA only. Then do that. Yeah. If you if you got to, you know, ring the bell to get the, you know, slot machine going. Yeah. You should probably just do that instead because your admissions aren't covering shit anyway. So stop trying to get it. Yeah, I don't know what it's. I don't know what the purpose is then. You know. Also, that's what you're like. Fundraising people. They're supposed to go. Sh- you know, shake hands, kiss babies. You know, with war criminals and shit to go get money. I, and you know, I don't know the ins and outs. There must be some kind of thing where to get money, attendance matters. And I think that does well, matter maybe, because I, mean, I think for the people that lend paintings, private or public collections, I think it matters a lot how many people actually see them. And if that number is in the dozens, they're not that interested. If that number is in the hundreds of thousands, they're very interested yeah. in doing that. And that's has a lot probably to do with uh, auction prices and secondary markets. And I'm not talking in terms of old master paintings. Right. People aren't necessarily selling those, but with a lot of other art. Um, yeah, I want more eyes on this. I want more clout accumulated around this so that when I go to flip it, I can buy another house. It, ultimately, that's what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, if you have, like, UBS underwrite something, they run everything like a business. They're like, we'll give you money if you can show us that this is going to, you know, A, put our logo in front of a lot of people. I think the summary is there's whatever. no true philanthropy anymore. No. Everybody wants ROI, even for their philanthropy, which, which was is never psychotic. the point yeah. of it. No. So, yeah, the noblesse oblige has gone out the window. Ugh. Defenestrating noblesse oblige. I won't remember that title of up, <laughs> and that's also really long and complicated. So you can write about that on JSTOR, but that won't be a podcast episode. It's going to be prostituting the prostitute or tooting the toot. Okay, fair enough. Yep. All that's right. fine with me. All right, bye. After show. <laughs>